So we are, for this next hour, we are looking at Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And um, do you want to sit here now? No, no, it's good. Thank you. So we're looking at Patanjali's uh, Yoga Sutras. And um, hey, Patricia. Patricia, grab one of these. Uh, and maybe you noticed in the description of the workshop these afternoons were for free. And the reason for that is because you are guinea pigs. <laughs> so the, the reason for that is because I have no idea what I'm doing. You can charge for that, can you? So, <coughs> um, so I have been studying uh, this stuff and and supporting supporting texts for a, a, a fair bit of time, uh, about six seven years with my professor, my dear professor Nagaraja Rao, in uh, in Mysore. Every year, about something like that, I go there and I study with him. And uh, what happened was that at some moment, uh, after having practiced asana for a long time, I started to to get some experiences and get some questions about what's going on and what is this about and you know what are we doing? What am I doing here six days a week on my mat, sweating so much and thinking I'm a horrible person if I don't jump back every time and all that, right? So, and then I started to uh, and then I bumped into. Uh, uh, Rao, to, uh, Professor Rao at the same time and um, I felt that for the first time he began to uh, teach he was teaching this, the sutras and Bhagavad Gita and some other texts in a way where I started to feel like I understood a little bit like something started to uncover for me so I continued to study with him in private down there now he is a brilliant uh, scholar and I am not he has a brilliant mind and I really do not feel that I have that. He has amazing uh, memory and he can remember all kind of slokas and all kind of stuff and I cannot. <clears throat> so what you're going to get from me is something very different than what I get from my teacher, unfortunately. Uh, but I will do my best. Now, um, so I have been teaching the sutras in a more organic form as part of asana and so forward and like... Uh, I have not been able, is maybe the right word, to not talk about the uh, sutras and some of this ancient wisdom when I uh, have been teaching asana. Um, but I thought it was maybe time. I'm not even sure. Pre perhaps my professor even thought that because last time I was there, he looked at me and he said, you have been studying with me for a long time now. I said, yeah, like three, four years. He said, no six seven years he was like oh that went so fast <laughs> and then <clears throat> um, and then he says what are you doing with it and i was like well, i don't know <laughs> 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 what i'm doing with this you know so and then i went home and i had a talk with my wife and she of course had this like brilliant idea she also has a brilliant mind to uh, that it was time to like start to get a little bit more serious about sharing the information that I know. The, her idea, of course, was to get on Amazon.com with a book as quick as I could, <laughs> which I thought was maybe a bit premature. But I, of course, I could maybe start to teach uh, the sutras, uh, attempt to teach the sutras in its more 
kind of conventional form where you go from Sutra 1 to Sutra 2 to Sutra 3 to Sutra 4 and so forward and that's what we'll be doing <coughs> and I haven't been teaching in that format I've more been like doing little touchdown on a particular Sutra when the, it came up for a in a relationship to a student or in a student's practice and so forth which essentially at least at, at least at this moment of time I feel is maybe the ideal version to learn the sutras because it hooks you straight in and you start you we start to experience wisdom rather than hear about other people's smart thoughts but um, nevertheless we won't go we won't go that route today so um, so I have I'm gonna attempt to teach in a format which is basically impossible for this week I'm going to teach you the whole first book and the whole second book in six hours yeah in six sessions and that's not possible at all but what it can do is it can create some kind of overview it ca can create some kind of map so you have a little bit idea you know you come to Miami Beach now you know there's a beach down there and you know there's a bakery over here I know there's a gas station there and there's a library in the other in the town you know where you live so now you have a little bit of an idea of something to do and then you can then later by yourself go to the library and figure out what kind of good books is available here or you can go to the bakery and you can figure out do they have my favorite apple strudel here like they have in Switzerland or do they not have that <coughs> or do they have something that is as good so what this structure hopefully can do for you is it can give you a little bit of an overview of what it is Patanjali is trying to do uh, what he's trying to teach us why he's trying to teach us that how to progress most easy how to progress now what to expect along the journey and also some of the little bit deeper little bit more heavy and uh, difficult philosophical notions to begin to just at least just to hear them you know because and I think we will not go so deep into those either but because it raises so many philosophical questions and even you know Patanjali is not like every Indian philosopher of, of all times agree with Patanjali not at all as a matter of fact there's many philosophical directions as many points of view whereas Patanjali as the authority on yoga he sets forth the yoga darshana the yoga point of view that is all and on that note I am not even here to try to convince you that that is correct I'm just here to try at my best capacity to put forward on the table what it is Patanjali says so when you go in and you do your your uh, asanas on your favorite yoga mat that you can f you know decide whether this asana is more than just that if there is an interest or faith that this is goes somewhat beyond what the asana can do for us in a physical sense or a psychological sense yeah okay um, now I was thinking that 
I think on the on the schedule it says that on one like in the middle of the week, I will stay. We'll do another hour uh, for question and answers, and that will happen. But I thought to stay every day for another thirty minutes in case there's some questions that you have. So you can go home, or you can I'll sit up here and you come up and ask me questions. If there's something that you would like me to go deeper into, or if you want to know where that bakery is, I was just talking about. <laughs> Um, I also think I'll, tr I'll try to put together a little questionnaire, a little anonymous questionnaire and give it to you the last day uh, in the hope that you will give me some anonymous and therefore uh, trustworthy feedback. <laughs> um, because from my end, uh, there's two things I'm trying to do. I'm trying to share this amazing stuff and I'm trying to learn how to do it better. So if uh, you have any comments, any feedback to me at the end of this week, uh, it would be extremely useful, not only for me, but any students that meet me after this day <laughs> would benefit greatly from your um, honest feedback. All right. All right, how are you doing? Okay? Also, thank you so much. Like I had not expected this bigger crowd. Like you're making my the hair rise up a little bit in the back <laughs> of my head. So. All right, um, let's give this a let's give this a go. I had I so we have uh, gave you all some of these. Some of you had to pick it up yourself. Um, and I had made one more page, which was just like a even quicker overview of all the asanas, but I forgot to send it to Sabis so she could print it out. So we'll, I'll bring that in tomorrow. Yeah. Um, let's start up with um, grabbing this. Let's start up with um, a little chant. So just like when we do our asana, we have a chant to we we start with. Um, when we when we do asana according to Patabu Joyce, when we um, study Patanjali's thesis, then we have a little uh, specific uh, mantra that goes out uh, to him. And if you take a look at the first page here, um, first of all, you can see that these, uh, the following pages has been um, stolen from the copyrighted book by Edwin Bryant, who's a magnificent man. If you ever have the possibility to study with him, you should do that. And then to the right, we have the um, uh, Patanjali uh, mantra. Um, <clears throat> uh, so let's give that a try. Underneath it says a little bit about what it is that he uh, what he's doing uh, for us. <coughs> so I will do it once and then let's just do it together uh, one word at a time. And I think that's going to be the, this, the, the format every day. I will uh, recite the, the sutra and then we will do recite the sutra together word by word. Then I will try to explain what that means and give a couple of examples, and then we will move on to the next. Yeah? Okay. Om Yogena Chitasya Padena Vacham 
Malam Sharirasya Chavaityakena Yopakarotam Pravaram Muninam Patanjalim Pranjalirana Tochmi Om Repeat after me. Yogena Chitasya Padena Vacham Malam Sharirasyacha Vaityakena Yopakarotam Pravaram Muninam Patanjalim Pranjali Ranatoshmi So the first uh, chapter is called um, Samadhi Pada, and Pada means chapter, or it means like, like Anga. It kind of means the same thing. It means the first uh, pillar. In this book, there are four chapters. So the first chapter is called Samadhi chapter, and uh, Samadhi is the state of yoga. Samadhi is what we're trying to do. Um, Samadhi is uh, this. A place where uh, all the suffering that uh, Patanjali and the Buddha and many other such uh, ancient classic Asian uh, Far East uh, philosophers are postulating that we that this state of suffering that we're living in. So the Samadhi state is the other state. Samadhi state is the yogic state. It's the state where we're trying to move ourselves towards. And we will come, go a little bit uh, more into that uh, further down in the text. So Samadhi Pada, and the first uh, sutra is called Atta Yoga Nushasanam. Repeat after me. Atta Yoga Anushasanam. So Atta means now, <coughs> and um, so and the first one says now we begin to talk about yoga. Now the teachings of yoga start. Now yoga starts. And you might ask yourself, why is that even important, important to say? I know that I opened up the book already, or I started on my mat already. Now the idea here is that um, <clears throat> yoga didn't just start here for you now. Uh, yoga, you are starting yoga now because there has been a whole uh, preparation, there's been a whole coming together of uh, what you want and what you can and what you have and what you have not of suffering and delights that has brought you into this room right now that has brought you into reading this text that has brought you onto the mat that there is often we say with a little twinkle in the eye there's just enough suffering in your life that gets you into the yoga shala that gets you onto the yoga mat so make it make sense so that's why you're here now so <coughs> what it means is that um, because of your past experiences, now you are willing to open up a little space and begin to learn what this is, what yoga says, what Patanjali says. The way I think about it mostly is in the morning that I wake up and I drink my coffee and I do some emails and then I think, 
should I answer this next email or not? Maybe not even email this like fun text message on Instagram from Linda. Should I answer that? Or should I Atta Yoganushasanam? Should I get on my yoga mat now? Should I start my yoga up? And then depending on the day. <laughs> so and then I go onto my mat and I take a shower and then I go onto my mat, close my computer and I go onto my mat. And then I think here we go again. And then I, th I think, what should I do today? And then I think, that's easy. He tells me what I should do today. And then um, I try to get my mind together because it is now. It is not me talking to you about how awesome yoga is and how you should do yoga every day. It's not that. It is me now in that paradigm, in that predicament of having to do it now. So then let go of all the other stuff and start doing it. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. So that's the way um, it usually works um, for me. Okay, so that's the first thing he says. And then the, the next sutra that he comes with, <coughs> I'm sure you have heard before, it goes, Yogas Chitta Vritti Nirodha. So repeat after me. Yogas, Yogas Chitta, chitta Vritti Nirodha. Uh, you've tried this before. Very <laughs> nice. So uh, you've heard this before. So what he says is yoga is when we nirodaha the vrittis in the chitta. And what that means is <laughs> that yoga is when we start to create some control, some uh, willful control um, or intuitive control uh, over the movements that is happening in our mind. So Nirodaha is a state of cessation. Nirodaha is a state, what he's talking about here is that the mind is an entity where there are moving parts inside. And when all these parts are moving all the time, we can experience reality. So what he requests us to do is to start to slow the motion down so we can see beyond the motion itself. Does that make any sense? Um, so an example is like this. So if I'm living in this reality and this is just moving, 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 like I can only see the motion. But since I was born like that and since I've never experienced anything else, I think this is reality. And then, you know, Patanjali comes along, or Patabi Joyce, and he says, try to quiet that down. And I go, how? Do asana. I go, yeah, also asana. You know, I'm doing so good at jump back every time. You know, but this is still going on. Yeah. And then at some moment, this happens at some moment. And I go, and I was like, hey, wait a minute. There was, there was John there on the other side, right? So then it's like, and then I realized that this is not reality. This is just a sheet, a sheen, a veil, a vritti, a movement, a, a thought pattern, as a matter of fact. An emotion and a thought pattern. And suddenly I get a glimpse that there's something other than that that's like, feels, seems way more real and way bigger in scope. There's way more to it. 
yeah? So this is Patanjali's somehow suggestion that yoga is a method and it's also a state but in this case yoga is the method of calming down the mind so the movement starts to slow down so start to be suppressed we say start to cessation happens um, and that happened by us being able to control that yeah control is necessary to be able to do that and when that happened then we get into seeing what goes on behind we start to see what is real instead what was perceived real and that is the sec that is the third uh, sutra which goes like this <coughs> so repeat after me tada drastuhu swarupe avastanam so tata drastuhu swarupe avastanam so Rupe, rupa means form. Sva means my. Sva rupe means my form, who I am, my true form. Yeah. So he likes to talk about instead of saying knowing myself, he likes to say to uh, know your true form. Like that's just some verbiage that he uses a lot. So what he says is that when the mind quiets down, when nirodaha happens, then we can experience our true form yeah making sense now then uh, he says after that he says <coughs> if we come to sutra number four he says if we don't do that then our whole life all believe everything we we build and cultivate from our entire paradigm is based on its opposite it's based on the movement that that on that non-nirodaha state so the next one um, number four says vritti sarupyam itaradra so repeat after me vritti sarupyam itaradra so if you look at your uh, photocopy it says otherwise um, you are or I am or we are just absorbed in the changing of states in the movements of the mind yeah otherwise we are just absorbed in the movement itself meaning we are no other place absorption is now you're fully absorbed in it you know nothing else this is all that exists make sense so Patanjali suggests that that is not a very useful state he suggests that that is a state that's Hamasic state of darkness it is a state where there is ignorance or there's not knowing even though we think we know we know nothing we are just here thinking that what is reality is actually just an appearance and um, when we are then making a whole world uh, understanding of the world and ourselves and other people from that image which essentially is non-real everything will become non-real everything will become an appearance we will have misunderstood everything mm -hmm. and every decision we take will be the wrong decision so making sense it's quite pessimistic because he says this is the state we live in yeah so 
um, he, but he's, he says this is the state of affairs, but there's a way out. And that is to nirodaha your vritis in your chitti. If you can nirodaha your vritis in your chitti, then you can start to see John for a moment, realize something is, is, uh, is different and that there's a way to go there. What is the way to go there? The eight, the Ashtanga, the eight limb path. path. I had different T-shirt on today. You have the right T-shirt on there. <laughs> the eight angas. Yes, that is the path towards that. Yeah. How are we going? Okay. I'm afraid of asking you how you doing because you might say, "Can I ask a question?" And then if you ask a question, then we have already lost time. <laughs> For instance, it is now 1.32 and we are on Sutra number 4 and I'm supposed to go up to Sutra number 20 today, so... <coughs> Alright, so this is what Patanjali is teaching. It's all right there, basically. Yeah, this is his basic paradigm, this is his business. This is his thesis, this is what he sets out to do. This is the problem that he, he sets forth and the solution at the same time. But he hasn't given us much detail, has he? Like, it's, is it possible to do yoga from this? No, it's not possible. So he needs to tell a little bit more. That's why we have uh, 192 sutras more, where he goes a little bit deeper uh, into that. Okay, so we have two options here. We can be stuck in that state of uh, appear, ap apparent reality, which is leading to perpetual suffering and worser and worser lives. And, uh, or we can begin to um, seek out a, a method towards uh, transcending that, trans transforming, um, and, there, and through that figuring out who am I really, and what is the, what is the world really, what's really going on, and who, therefore who am I. Yeah? Okay. Alright, so he changes a little bit here. He says, we're talking about vrittis in the mind, so now he says, what kind of vrittis are we talking about? So he suggests that there are four kinds of vrittis. So if you ask um, different uh, Indian philosophers, like they are all, the yoga is not a philosophy that stands alone on a, on a mountain and everything is below it. It is contextual and it ties multiple uh, strings and comparisons and agreements and disagreements with uh, several if not many other uh, views um, of philosophy in the Indian tradition. So what I'm trying to say here is uh, Patanjali he defines the the five kinds of mind, the five apps that we have, define the five uh, states of mind, thought patterns as five and other uh, systems have different definitions on that. Some say that there's 17, some says that there's seven, some says, yeah, this just Patanjali, he's like, boils everything down to that. Okay, so he says there's five kinds of mind that can divided, be divided into two types. So the two types of mind is a, a mind which is uh, uh, congruent with yoga, which cultivates yoga, which m takes you further and further on the path of yoga towards this samadhi state, this place of unsuffering, which, which begin to relieve your suffering. That is one type, and the other type is the opposite. It is a, it is a, it is a types of mind that just takes you, digs you deeper and deeper in, and creates more and more suffering. 
So, <clears throat> did we do that already? No, we didn't do that already. I should start with doing that instead of explaining. All right, so, see, already here is a one minus. All right. So, <laughs> the fifth, the fifth uh, sutra says, Vritayaha Panchatayaha Klishta Aklishtaha. Repeat after me. Vritayaha Panchatayaha Klishta Aklishtaha. So you can see again we have this vrit in the first word, vrittaya, it's just a different con con conjugation. Uh, it's still the word vritti and pancha means five, so we are talking about five panchas and klishta and aklishta is one is, is uh, creating pain and one is creating non-pain. One has a coloring and one doesn't have a coloring. Alright, so um, I think I just explained that, didn't I? Yes. yes. Alright, so what we are saying is that what takes us further on the path uh, and, and what uh, is detrimental. So another way of saying is one creates more pain and another one creates more happiness. But when we say something creates happiness in yoga, don't get your arms up yet. <laughs> because basically what we say is <coughs> we, it's the kind of happiness that comes if you take a heavy burden from a man. So here he is, he's been carrying this for a long time and then you take it away from him, now he's so happy, yeah? Why is he happy? Because he's just back to himself. It's like, oh, I don't have to carry this. It's not like you added anything to his life, you took something away from him that he didn't need. Does that make sense? So then there's a whole philosophical discussion about that. So when you go to heaven, are you being offered something more or is it just your sins that is being taken away from you? <laughs> like, let's let other people discuss that. <clears throat> okay. Um, the idea here is that everything that is, that there are permanent things and there's non-permanent things. And everything we know is non-permanent, like the body is non-permanent, it lasts about 100 years, bomb, finished, it's not there anymore. Um, a relationship that you have that gives you great pleasure, for instance with your children, you have it for X amount of years, bomb is finished, then you die. You don't have that relation anymore and so forth. So it says um, that anything that is impermanent has a seed of pain within it. So anything that is impermanent, no matter how pleasurable it is today, it will end up give you pain it will end up in pain. Yeah. Now, then it says everything that is permanent will not give you pain. So we'll, we're after that. Then you ask, oh, what is impermanent? I would like to know. So, uh, and there is only one thing. <laughs> and that is according to Patanjali because Patanjali works with a theistic notion. So the yoga system is a theistic philosophy. It believes that there is a God or it suggests that there is one, I would probably say, rather than anything else. And uh, we get back to that later, uh, tomorrow, I think. So, um, so what it says is that at the final, st that in within all of us, there is an entity that we could, that is called Atman, that we could, or Jivan, and we could call that the soul, or we could maybe transfer a little bit towards spirit, something in that regard. That's a Christian terminology, Western Christian, 
uh, Judeo-Christian terminology, so it's a little bit, little bit different, but don't worry too much about that. So there is a permanence inside, there is a soul that prevails. The body goes, your relationship goes, your Mercedes-Benz goes, everything goes, you know. Your good health goes, your bad health goes, everything goes. But uh, there is something that carries on, there's a subtle entity that carries on, which we could call the soul. According to yoga, there is such a thing as the soul that moves through many bodies in the process of learning. Because samadhi doesn't happen in a lifetime. Samadhi happens over a long, long, long time. So we need more than one life to be able to learn. Do you need to believe in this? No. Is it what Patanjali says? Yes. Is it his own idea? No. He picked it up from earlier uh, points of view from Vedanta, which is the Upanishads. Maybe you've heard about the Upanishads. And the Upanishads is, comes at the end of the Vedas, which is the, uh, which for most um, philosophical directions is the definitive authority in, uh, in India. It's kind of like the Bible here. So, uh, like for the Christian person, at least. So, and science for the skeptical person, maybe, I don't know. But, um, so, we have the Vedas, uh, they say we, they don't know where they come from, and they have always been there, kind of thing. The, the information is, has at least always been available, then it has been written down. And then the Upanishads comes after, which is different kind of texts, which um, is kind of like really a wild card. It's like almost like an artistic exploration of, of the f in the field of the Vedas something like that and they don't agree they say many different things they do not agree upon things it's just people with great insights that had that's had an experience and written it down in a story form or something like that so Patanjali he comes way after that um, and he draws upon some of the information that has been disclosed uh, from before him such as reincarnation Yes, such as that there is a Jivan Atman that moves uh, and that takes on different shapes, different bodies, uh, so it can best learn. Let's say I need to learn how to be rich, then I will take on a body where I'm very rich in my next life. I get all the riches. Okay, now I learn that, now I need to be poor, I take on a body in my next life where I'm very poor. Then let's say I need to learn to walk on four legs, then I start in my next life I become a Shtanga yoga person <laughs> or a dog either is very good for that <coughs> I'm joking with you but you see what I mean right okay good so two kinds five kinds of, uh, of minds of two types so the next one he goes into these five kinds of minds <coughs> and what are those so to that he says it's number six he says pramana vipadhyaya vikalba nidra smritaya ha repeat after me Pramana, Pramana Viparyaya, Viparyaya Vikalpa, Vikalpa Nitra, Nitra Smritayaha. Smritayaha Very good. So uh, the five kinds of mind is Pramana which means correct knowledge, Viparyaya means, which means incorrect knowledge, false knowledge, wrong knowledge, even unreal or perverted knowledge in its, in its true sense perverted, not like the way we use it usually in the West. Uh, vikalpa means imagination, fantasy, delusion, something which, is, which has been misunderstood, 
specifically in regards to language. We the the technical description of this is verbal misconception. I will re I will come back to that. And then after that we have another app that's running in the mind that's called Nidra, which is deep sleep, which is not which is sleep below dreaming. Dreaming is something that can happen, but sleeping, the ability to sleep, we'll go into what that is. And the last one is Smritayaha, Smriti, which means memory, um, how to remember something. That is also a state that is available in the mind for us. Okay, um, so again, Patanjali, he says, any state, anything we experience fall under these states. So, uh, is, he, is he right? Ah. If you ask some of the other Indian uh, philosophical system, they say, ah, oh, you know, I would like to have two more categories or one less, but according to Patanjali, everything can be explained from these five. Yeah? From here, uh, he starts to go into what these uh, different types, what these five types are. And of course, he starts with uh, pramana, uh, with correct uh, knowledge, and that he does in number seven. So, <coughs> uh, repeat after me. Pratak no, let me say it first, by the way, and then repeat after me. <laughs> Pratakshya numana kamaha pramanani. So, <coughs> Pratakshya, Pratakshya anumana, anumana akamaha, akamaha pramanani. pramanani. Okay, so what that means is that um, uh, pramana, the last word, uh, means correct knowledge. It can be achieved by Pratakshya or by Anumana or Agamaha. So that is three different ways to get to come to real knowledge. So uh, what he suggests is that one is personal experience and personal experience uh, weighs very strong for the yogi, for the yogic darshana. They say that's very important. That means that you have personally experienced it, that you have not just read it in a book. Like the idea is because you read a book about emotions doesn't mean that you are able to do what the book suggests you to do. Did you read this book like men are from Mars and women are from Venus? <laughs> yeah. So if you read it once, then you should be able to f live by that book. It's not possible. Yeah, you, c you do not experience everything that this man uh, has to say or anything else like that. So personal experience, very important. This is why tapas, why we are practicing every day. Because through the practice we start to have actual experiences of different sensations in the body, different uh, emotions, uh, different uh, way to deal with these emotions uh, and so forth. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, agree with me. I constantly forget that I go through all these annoying emotions in my practice. Yeah, I just need to finish my practice. Five minutes later, I kind of forget it. But when I go to my practice, I'm like constantly like faced with thinking, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> or Catherine is doing this so much better than me. Or, wow, check me out, this one was a really good one. Or, like, constantly, it's just like one, like, fairy wheel, is that what it's called? Fairy wheel? Ferris wheel. Ferris wheel. 
Yeah, hamster wheel. No, it's just like it has all these gondolas. You know what I mean? It's like it's just like I'm just like going through them. And the next thousand, and it's just crazy. And then I come out of my practice, and then I'm not faced with them anymore. And then I think, oh, yoga works, you know. <laughs> and then I practice next day. I'm like, it didn't work so well. Here I go again, somehow. So that kind of experience of of everything is considered very important and the only true way of knowing yeah all right then another way of coming to correct knowledge is by inf inference so the classic example that is given is that um, if you smell a rose there's probably a rose around or if you see smoke over the hill there's most likely a fire can you be sure no but does everything point towards it? Absolutely. Yeah. So like by inference, you can learn something. Now, some philosophical directions of India do not accept inference as a way to get information. So that means you need to experience everything yourself. It's like there's smoke coming up over the mountain that is 10 kilometers away is it fire let me go see <laughs> it's like next month there's smoke again is it fire let me go see every time you have to do it do you know what i mean it's like everything everything say everyone says everything you meet in your day you have to go and experience it yourself every single day it's not possible if you want to do anything with your life, this is not possible to live like, like with personal experience alone. <coughs> okay, and the last one is um, scriptural authority, um, <clears throat> but um, that is also often uh, if we like take that little bit down, that like in its true sense of the word here, it means the Vedas, that they, that you can find it in the Vedas. But another way that this is commonly um, taught at least it's been taught to me like that and my dear professor Rao he says an advice by a trusted friend someone that only wants the best for you that person you can get real knowledge from but that knowledge that you're going to get is from there well of course if the friend has gotten it right right if he did he got it wrong then you know we are back right but there is no second agenda hidden agenda there's nothing else there's no attempt to cover it up it's just trying to pass on true information unfiltered yeah all right personal experience inference and by trusted word good then we go to wrong knowledge what is wrong knowledge so that is uh, the eighth one so it goes like this Atat drupa pratishtam. So <coughs> repeat after me. Viparyayo. Mitya. Jnanam. Atat rupa. Pratishtam. Super. All right. So uh, error or incorrect knowledge, false knowledge, comes from uh, perceiving a thing different one than what it really is that not getting it right in misinterpreting uh, what is uh, going on 
So the classic example is that it's you walk at home, it's like uh, the, the, the right before darkness, what do you call that hour, twilight, mm -hmm. and then you see a snake in front of you, you jump, you get really afraid of the snake. Mm -hmm. But someone has a flashlight in you and, and, and put the light on it, and it's a piece of rope. So you thought it was a snake. Everything in you, your whole reaction, everything you did, uh, came from believing it was a snake, but it was a piece of rope. So therefore, if you had then lived your whole life on that experience, your whole life would have been lived by wrong, like the consequences of your choices would have been in vain somewhat. Is that making sense? So this is the classic uh, example of wrong uh, perception, wrong knowledge. Um, this comes from either, that comes from what the samskaras, the, the patterns, the beliefs, the notions that we deep subconsciously work with already, what is in us. For instance, if we walk around and we are terrified of snakes, we could probably see, you know, like a shoebox in twilight and think it was a snake because there's such a prevalence towards, ah, it's a snake, it's not a snake, ah, it's a snake. no, it's a box. All right, <laughs> yeah? So that's, uh, that's uh, from one. It could come from current desire. I really wanted to be a snake. I really wanted to be a snake. It's like, oh, oh, that's $10. I think it's mine. It's like, actually, it's garments, but I, it would be so nice if it was mine. So, so that kind of, um, of uh, poison in, in us, that, we, that there's a desire to want it to be a particular outcome. Um, or it could just be that our senses are completely clogged up. Say I didn't bring my glasses like at twilight. I'm like, I'm going home. I'm like, I can't see anything. Yeah. Or if um, uh, David is trying to tell me something and I can't hear, I'm like, <coughs> he says, I would like to buy you coffee. I was like, no, thank you. I don't eat beef. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it's not, I'm not saying that. You know, it's like, oh, oh. David wants to buy me beef. He doesn't <laughs> have any idea, you know, or something. So, and we say that also in our perception, in our mind. Yeah, we, are we aware? Are we awake? You know, are we to experience what's going on around us in, in general that way? The mind is the sixth sense, according to yoga. All right, <coughs> shall we go on? How are you going? You okay? Okay, these are the easy ones. I should tell you that. So, like... <laughs> Um, okay, so the ninth one is about um, um, delusion, uh, verbal, um, verbal delusion. So it goes like this. Shabda jnana anupadi vastu shunyo vikalbaha. Repeat after me. Shabda jnana anupadi vastu shunyo vikalbaha. So... Anu means after, jnana means knowledge, shabda is word. So if, we, if our knowledge uh, follows the, a, a particular notion, and that particular notion is, uh, doesn't have shunyu, shunyu is lacking a vashtu, an object, that is um, 
verbal misconception. So let me see if I can explain that in another way. So if I believe, if I have an idea about something that doesn't correspond with a real event or real object out in the world, that is considered delusion. Yeah. And the classic example is, <coughs> and it has to do with words. And I'll give you the classic example and you will instantly know what I mean. So, turtle. Yeah, turtle. You can see it in your mind. Turtle is there. Okay. Turtle. Hair. Hair. You can see it in your mind. Turtle hair. You can see it in your mind, right? <laughs> so now in your mind, it exists in there. It's like, oh, he's totally, he's got hair. <laughs> it's like, and it's funny because we know it doesn't exist, right? The other example is rabbit horn. Rabbit horn. It doesn't exist either, but we can see it now. Oh, it's like this. Maybe it's like this, you know. <laughs> There's some rabbit horns, yeah? So the, what he's suggesting here is that what happens in the mind of the human being is that we have a notion of one thing and we have a notion of another thing and we couple them and in our mind they make sense because we have prescribed notion and, and labels and names to them. We can couple them in our mind, but they don't exist. Oh yes, hair. Oh yes, turtle. Oh, I saw a turtle with a great fur yesterday. <laughs> it's like, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. And, the, and it's easy to start to misconstrue the idea. Jealousy is a good example of that. You know, oh, my wife, she's always home at 10 o'clock in the morning. That is when the postman arrives. <laughs> it's like, oh, something must be going on, you know. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? Like, it's very possible for us to start to uh, jump to conclusions, which uh, we can make a whole justification of. But is it true? Absolutely not. Doesn't exist anywhere else inside the head. What is going on? What is going on is that inside my head, outside of my head, I'm, you, I'm missing an object that corresponds with what's going on inside my head. Does it make sense? That's the idea. Okay, <clears throat> all right, next one. So the next one is, uh, you see, it's sleep. So that is number 10. Apava pratyaya, apava pratyaya alambana vritir nidra. So repeat after me. Apava, apava pratyaya, pratyaya alambana, alambana vritir, vritir nidra. nidra. Okay, so... Um, it's one of these little bit exotic ones. <clears throat> so, uh, sleep is a pattern. Sleep is something that the mind can do. And what, su what supports that, what uh, is at the key of that uh, app in the mind is absence. There is nothing. There is blankness. Does that make any sense? And they go further. They say that, that what is particularly about this is that there is an awareness of absence. Now what the heck does that mean? And the way that it has been explained to me is you go to sleep, you have 
deep sleep, no dreams, boom, full sleep. You wake up next morning, you go, ah, oh, that was such a great night, I don't remember anything. Yeah? So that, that you realize nothing went on. There was no, absolutely nothingness. Um, so that blank state, that is another vritti in the mind, that's another capacity in the mind. Yeah? And a little bit less interested in that the other three, the other three are more juicy somehow, right? <laughs> okay. And then the next one is about memory, and it's number 11, and it goes like this. Anubhuta vichaya sampramosa smritihi. So repeat after me. Anubhuta vichaya sampramosaha smritihi. So, um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So it is just this, the app that is storing stuff inside of us. It is the, it is the brain's, the mind's possibility to store an experience and bring it up later. That's all, yeah? Uh, this is a really good app to have. If you have great memory, you can learn many things. Like I had a friend when I was a young, and he was studying to be, I, was w I went to dance school and he went to medical school. And I was so proud of him. I said, yes, but it's so amazing, man. Look at you, you, you have become a doctor now. And he, and he said to me in response, <coughs> in good Scandinavian fashion, he said, anyone can become a doctor. A gorilla can become a doctor if it has good memory. <laughs> so I don't know anything about that. But like if you, if you are able to reproduce what you have read in the past, that's very, very useful. For instance, when I have to learn these uh, sutras, <coughs> I sit and I read them again and again and I go and I uh, take classes and uh, chanting them and so forth and I come back and I do more homework. And then my wife, she walks into the room and then she says, which one are you working on? And I'm like, oh, I'm using 245, 240, 252. It's like, all right. And she says, how does it go? And I go, it goes like this. Oh. Say it again. I'm like, all right, good. Bye-bye. Right. <laughs> then three days later, she comes back and she says to me, I'm like, well, how did you learn that? You, but you just, you taught it to me. I was like, no, I said it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so it just clings, you know, it comes in and then it doesn't go out. For me, it like comes in and then it goes, <laughs> so, no, it goes like this, doing like water on a goose, you know, like me. And then sometimes it comes in and then it just disappears. I was like, no, it's not there anymore. So <clears throat> I wish I had better memory, but I don't. <laughs> so what? According to, to Patanjali, it is just an app. It is just a storing app, you know? And uh, I love the question. And this is a good, very good question. Uh, I have not looked into it like that. Is it the understanding? Patanjali says, no, understanding lies somewhere else. This is just storing. Do they somehow overlap? Is there some synopsis that goes between for instance, when I learn these uh, sutras, if I hook on the meaning to the Sanskrit sounds, I tend to learn them a little better, but it takes longer time. So then what is that? Is that just like a geographical connectability inside of my head 
going through different synapses? Or is it because memory is connected to understanding? I, I don't know. Do, do you see where I'm going? According to him, it's just like, can you store it? And like, do you have a good storage facility? Or do you have a s lousy one? Yeah? Okay, <coughs> so that is the mind. That's how the mind works. Now you know that. So if you have any questions about this, um, then this book that this is stolen from is a thick book, and we it's it's it is um, Burgundy that one, and we have put all the Yoga Sutra books that we currently have in the shop. We put them out there on one of the shelves, so you can find them there. There's many, many others. Um, as you can see, the form here is that there is the Devanagari on top, and then there is the transliteration, which is the English letters, the Latin letters, that repronounces so we can actually read what it says on that beautiful artistic line on the top of the sutra. And then there's an explanation below. The explanation below is what is called a commentary. So the explanation is just Edwin Bryant that has translated that into what he thinks is most accurate. Every book you get, there's a slightly different translation. And then underneath that comes a more in-depth commentary where, you know, he does what I'm trying to do here. Just better. Yeah. So, um, yes, exactly, right. <coughs> I'm going to work on that. All right. Yeah, and I would suggest you, if this is starting to be interesting to you, pick up one book and start to read that. Pick up another book, read that. Keep, keep doing that. Okay, so the next bit, we <coughs> oh, it's two o'clock, man. 15 more minutes. Wow. <laughs> See, here's the deal. So usually uh, the, the classes that I have been taking is like you get through five to ten sutras in an in an hour, at most, and then sometimes you spend three days on one sutra, you know, and stuff like that. And what I was hoping to do this week was not to do that, but uh, so not to go so deep into all that, but more like get the brush, you know, like with a big stroke, like how this. Um, all right. Well, we got somewhere. So the next thing he's starting to talk about is, uh, is the practice, and he uses the next uh, kind of like 10 sutras on that. But we'll continue with that tomorrow. So thank you very much. So tomorrow we'll do 30 sutras. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to change your flight home, you know, <laughs> for May. <laughs> I think we should be maybe finished just before Sharat gets here on May 1st. So, um, okay, thank you so much. If you have any questions, I'm here for the next half hour. Did you get that second page of mine? Yay!
you are a hero. So, you guys, um, Sabeshi has a, a last uh, photocopy. Will you just maybe put it right here? Uh, yeah. Um, so guys, just like grab one of those photocopies also. Uh, did you say extra instead of this one? Okay, super. If anybody didn't get one of these, uh, go get one. No, so um, so we have uh, so I think the reason that he points it out. Thank you for so saying that is because it's a state of absence, not a state of awareness. And samadhi is a completely stable, quiet state of awareness. There is full, the light is turned on, man. So in when there, the light is turned off. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So they differentiate between Swapna and Shushupna, I think it is. I forget, what word do they use here? Yes, they do use Nidra. So, um, so there is, is, I have to remember now, go back into my storage facility here. So I think Shvapna is the state of illuminated sleep. Deeps, no. Shvapna is um, dreamless sleep. That is the state. And Shushupna, I think it is called, is uh, normal sleep with dreams and like neurotic, uh, messed up, meridian. Right. Uh, Ferris wheel sleep. I have a question. Okay. Is there yeah. a point, yeah. you. Thank is you. there a point to turn that how many incarnations do I have? S second? How many incarnations do I have? How my spiritual um, develop? Or yes. How many times is it going to take? Uh -huh. I think you're finished now, Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. We come into that later. We come in a little bit to how fast, what, how can, how can you walk the path? That is practice. And um, how quickly does it take, do you get results? We, we were supposed to get there today. We didn't get there today. Yeah? You know, I, I thought it was, you know, because sometimes uh, you can explain something Yes. That, that person has in this, in this at this moment. Yes. Is not going to understand. Yes. Yes. That is like like um, you cannot explain a four a two year old that he should that if he you know this whole paradigm you can have one cookie now or you can have two cookies later. Which one do you want? That is an advanced mind, right? right? 
So you would say that to a two-year-old, he's gonna go, what are you talking about? Yeah. Cookie, you know? Now, if you maybe ask a five-year-old, he might be able to go, hmm, <laughs> two cookies, hmm. you know? But so like that, there is some evolution that has gone on between these two, two states. And th that as a analogy of a s spiritual development, it's, is that able to compare? I don't know. You would need to ask God if that is right, you know, but <coughs> if you can figure out where he is, you know, so. But uh, that is a common, common thing and we talk about that. That's right. yeah. It's also just psychology. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's just psychology. Like some people, you can't explain with that. Yeah. It's not even spiritual. You know, it's just the like education. Like yeah. Yeah. In in that regard, uh, Patanjali is often just considered like in-depth psychological methodology towards l you know psychological mapping somehow not necessarily even spiritual mapping, just psychology. Like what we've been going through today has mostly been about how the mind works in the brain and stuff. Yeah. Mr. Dave, wow, so many of you <laughs> still here. <laughs> yes, whoa. Yeah. I wanted to talk about 1.8. 1.8. Yes, yes. I eat classic cookies. Oh. And I know that for sex. Yeah. Right. I have fear of heights. It's very real heights. to me. Yes. So, somewhere in this practice, does it stream from, from that? those? Because that's an yes. internal mind. I get an MRI machine, I got to get out. Yes. I can't stand it. Well, I have a fear of heights. So, and it's not so much if I, if I have a banister, I'm kind of all right. If I stand back from the banister and you go close to the banister, I might get really afraid. It's like, works weirdly yeah. somehow. Okay. So, um, I don't know if the practice uh, gives you uh, relief of that, but I think what the practice can do is give, or what, it, what I feel, it gives me methods, it gives me tools to harness that fear that irrational neurotic phobia phobia it gives me uh, uh, tools so my fear of death my my abhinivesha that i can that i can deal with it i know i can breathe i know it's not true i know that um, if i squeeze my anus then there is a stabilizing mental, physical, emotional stabilizing. When I'm on my motorcycle and I drive in the mountains and I come around a curve where I can't see if what's going on after that, and I tune into my breath, I put my eye where, my, where I have learned I should put my eye, from, not from yoga, but from motorcycle link. This is the motorcycle drishti. No, I don't put it there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I take an engagement in my pelvic floor and I make sure I breathe. And then I loosen up my arms and try to focus on the task 
rather than uh, this yeah, abstract space that comes. So, and uh, practice helps me with that. Yes. 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 I I agree. I feel. <laughs> you know that evolutionary thing we have when our hamstring when we go to stretch our hamstrings, you, you yes. tighten up back here. That's evolutionary because we used to have to run for food, and if you broke a hamstring way back then, you were gonna die. You you were gonna be food. <laughs> you know, so we have that, yeah. and then we have the going backwards thing because you know you just don't really do that in everyday life. Yeah. And so you feel it. You let your rhythm start to loosen, and I think that teaching the space situations like that, yes. like getting tight and I think in in. In many respects, the practice is that. It is learning to meditate in action. It is learning to keep calm in the, mi in the midst of the hurricane, you're right? It's like So it, it gives us that. The tools to do that. Is it gonna take the hurricane away? I don't know. Maybe, like it's gonna, uh, potentially he likes to talk about Tanu, about thinning out the vrittis and the samskaras that um, has effect on us, the negative ones, the ones that have negative effect on us, that through practice, that they start to kind of thin out almost like a fabric that gets thinner and thinner, they get washed out. Yeah? So I would love to say yes. <laughs> from, but and I would, from my own experience, I would say yes in some way but sometimes but I've actually been looking into like you know like I heard that <coughs> they have this new virtual reality version of how to deal with heights you know how to get there I thought oh give that, I'll give that a go but I have to move to Oxford to do that so <laughs> I think I'm not doing that but oh yeah You could try that next time you go into the MRI, bring a big fat spider. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> more afraid of that than the MRI. Forget about that you're out. close. You're engaged, you'll forget that you're, yeah. I mean, if you were tight and really bad was happening next to you, you might forget that you're still on the MRI. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Like something worse than yeah. falling off the cliff? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't see it. I'm back in the cafe. <laughs> over there. Yeah. You're at the bakery. Yeah, down at the bakery. Um, you were mentioning Chloe, right? Chloe. Yeah. yeah. You were mentioning a little bit earlier about you know the difference between abstract and concrete thought with children, and um, I do research then philosophical work and just okay. I'm not sure I am uh, familiar enough with those terms, but um, maybe more propensity 
So it's almost like you like it opens up a little bit. It's not just what you think it is, but it's kind of like what you think it is, and then putting a little spin on it. It's like, and maybe it's not really true after all. Mm -hmm. If that is what you mean, then for certain. And I would say that this material, and very much by the help of uh, my teacher, uh, has and the, and my practice has helped me shed. Patterns of thinking, uh, because I was presenting with like I got presented with a conundrum here. It's like, what do they mean by that? And I was like, oh, I started to like roam around and and the idea of this, you know, if this is the basic paradigm I'm living in, then I'm like I walk around and I l go to the bakery and I and I buy that cake and I think. Is it really that cake? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> what is it in that cake that I like? You know, like, uh, why am I not eating that cake? Is that because of this? You know, so I would say that that spins me into a place where there's a curiosity of learning and a curiosity of propelling myself into a place where I know, le like, I don't know anything. Something like that. Like I don't know. And also, like just by studying this, like first I, s I started to study the sutras, and then I said to uh, uh, Mr. Rao, to Professor Rao, I said, <coughs> I love this, but there's so many things I don't understand here. Like we'll, you know, he says vitarka. You know, then I have to figure out what is the four states of samadhi. What is samadhi? Like so he starts to explain four states of samadhi, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <coughs> what is samadhi? You know, and it's like, oh, all right. You know nothing, do you? You know, so <laughs> and then I, and then he has to explain so many things. I'm like, how did they come up with that notion? It's like, oh, that comes from, and then in that regard, then I s I realized that a lot of the notions that is the foundation of what Patanjali's thesis comes from um, Sankhya, the Sankhya Tarsana, which is a another uh, philosophical point of view. I studied that and I was like, oh, now I start to understand this thing about, you know, karma. Like that kind of like has been explained there. Like, oh, I think I start to understand a little bit what they mean there. Start to understand this whole dichotomy of what's permanent, what's not permanent, pollution, prakriti. I start to, oh, okay, like, okay, yeah. And why the body is not important and the mind is more important than start to get that. But there was, then there's a whole other level that I didn't know. And I, I asked, what is all this? And I realized that that comes from a third place called Vedanta. So then I started to, stu started to study Vedanta to try to figure that out. And then when I knew Sankhya better and Vedanta better, then I started to understand Patanjali better. So then it's like, so I then I realized that Patanjali, he's is like <coughs> us. Like the reason I'm comfortable today is because my friend Fran Francie is here, you know, and Carmen is here. Then I feel good. If they are not here, then I feel so lonely. So like my internal uh, experience of the world, it's not from me, like it's like supported in all these stations out there. The same thing with this uh, Patanjali's uh, thesis.
Um, and <coughs> what I wanted to say with that was that then there are s smaller influences, like also that like the major one is the Sankhya and the Vedanta, but then there are smaller in influences, influence from the Buddha and stuff like that also that also comes into this, which I <coughs> also should study. So I started to read a little Buddhism up on just from a point of view of trying to understand. I, I started to read the Tamapada to try to understand Patanjali. And it's like, oh, you know, like that's a whole other way of reading the Buddha. You know what I mean? And then I s just studied a book here in, in January uh, with Rao. There was Vignana Bhikshus, um, who is a... <coughs> a God-fearing Vedanti, <laughs> and where he uh, argues that Patanjali's uh, teachings uh, doesn't deviate from this very theistic philosophical term. So I, I, I start to reach out into so many other thought systems that where people have firm belief that it's true, and I'm like, who is right? You know, these are really smart guys, man. They're way smarter than that than I. And they can figure out what's right and wrong. Uh, and they kind of, at some moment, it's like they, it's like roulette. They kind of like put that chip on the red one. Do you know? At some moment, you have to kind of figure out where you think you're gonna win, or you know what attracts you most. And then we put our chip there, and then we call that belief, and then we go with that. It's like Hillary and Trump. Where you want to put your tri your chip? You know what I mean? And some people are very convinced <laughs> who it is, and they're like, "There's just no doubt about it." And a lot of people's like, "Well, he's a disruptor," you know, like or. And I think I'm like that. I'm standing there in the middle and not being able to understand anything. And the more I study, the more there is to understand. Did that even come close to an answer no, to... Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yes, I was just babbling, I'm sorry. <coughs> I think I have friends that I uh, deeply respect and like who are very certain in their belief. Uh, I have a friend who believes that this like Vedantic point of view, like the theistic, uh, that there is a God and that if you recite uh, ancient uh, in Indian Sanskrit uh, texts accurately and with right pronunciation, that it, it takes you closer to enlightenment as in a theistic kind of motion. I'm like, I wish I had your certainty. That would be delicious. But I am like, I don't, you know. If I had that certainty, I said my motivation to learn those texts would be higher. Like I have to find my mojo, my juice somewhere else than in that, s that certainty. Like according to this guy, these structures are not to be underestimated, these kind of belief structures, like because they are stepping stones. 
and strata, and we'll get we were supposed to get to that today. <coughs> strata is faith, as in trust, as in that you put your faith in something. Because if you don't have your faith in something, you can't get anything out of it. <laughs> Basically, if you go in and you practice asana, you're like, eh, what's go good is gonna come out of this? This is probably just some like hoax they're conning me with this bullshit you know <laughs> then then it's very likely that you're not gonna get anything out of it you know it's it, it and if you are it is in spite of whereas if you go in and you go man oh, this looks this seems amazing this is like whoa I can already feel a little bit here stretching my t-shirt here like <laughs> wow you know if there's some kind of hospitality for the information you are you're more likely to gain something to gain something from it. so <coughs> uh, and what all of that Patanjali is suggesting he's suggest he's suggesting jump on this wagon man because if you jump on this wagon I promise you something good is gonna happen to you and but he, I don't think that that um, Patanjali says this is the only way as a matter as a matter of fact it seems to me very much that uh, first of all this uh, the sutras are not Patanjali's creation he has compiled all the existing notion of the time into a readable understandable do-it-yourself book DIY book yeah that's his that's his claim to fame and it seems to me that in the process of that he's been running this political game where these people says there is a god these people says there's not a god these people says that you must do mantra recitation these people says no you should do asana these people say that there's a difference in practices these so and he's kind of like going okay <laughs> but let's make a chapter on that and then that's that's in there and we'll get to that tomorrow <laughs> i just keep saying that we'll get to it tomorrow <laughs> yeah okay troy did you like She, she drank the Kool-Aid already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find inspiration in this too. Hold on. You touched on it a lot with your response to her question, but I was just going to ask if you think that Patanjali's um, presentation of Samadhi is like practical. Is it just like an openness to life, or is it this like actual trance state that is in <coughs> we will touch on that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so he breaks that down. So um, you know. So what I really love about the su the the Patanjali's Yoga Sutras here is like he's not playing around. He is not saying, um, "Yeah, samadhi is like you know a little of this and a little of that." It's like he's like samadhi is this. Boom. 
and then he breaks it down into uh, f uh, two kinds and the first kind has four stages and the second kind has one stage is the final stage and then after that there is no more patterns then patterns are done and that is this is a pattern you know did you call it pattern recognition is that what you call it mm -hmm. so this is a pattern this is my body this is a shape this has shape to it you know at some moment to be able to learn then I let go of this thing then I don't need it anymore right now I need it why because it's got grabbers so when I'm thirsty I can grab stuff you know and inside of this thing there are organs that need this stuff if I don't take this stuff I die so I think if I was God first I would have created this situation where something was going on and then there was like a motor to sustain it and then I'd figure out what kind of fuel it was and then then I would create some kind of auxiliary appendix that could know what it was so like here's you know gasoline and here's water and I would each time know that it was not the gasoline that I needed that's for the car and then like a robotic arm that can grab it and get it in there do you know what I mean something like that so at some moment these organs are of no use anymore therefore this arm is of no use anymore therefore this is of use no use anymore that's all the way of learning whereas <coughs> I forgot to say that he doesn't he hasn't mentioned the body yet yeah he's not talking about the body he says yoga is in the mind so uh, the true learning happens in the mind the mind is sustained by this you know some fuel uh, to get it up there in the right shape we need this to get it in there we need this <laughs> so at some moment we are maybe at a stage where we do not need the, the brain to uh, be the vehicle for the mind so the mind can exist on its own so the, the what's going on in the mind can exist on its own without the vehicle um, he, he's coming to that uh, a little bit later. Tomorrow. No, but tomorrow. no, tomorrow, yes. <laughs> tomorrow, exactly. So there he say there are, there are people that has that are creatures, beings, that has evolved to a place where they live in a state of samadhi. They have no more body, and they just float around. And at some moment, they have not gone the final way out into, because mind is also a form. So they have not gone the final way into like, full liberation they still are caught in like mind form of some type and uh, and because of that they are being they're taking rebirth is usually the way they choose a new birth to get to learn to do that but for most of us <coughs> and they, they just sort of float around in samadhi man like you know <laughs> but for most of us we need a little more than that to get into samadhi Maybe next slide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or die in Varanasi. Yes. Yeah, die in Varanasi, yeah. Any which way. Yes. Got hit get hit get hit by a rickshaw in Varanasi. Then your your fortune is done, man. Moksha is there. Amanda. Yeah. And delusion. Yeah. So that's a more painful fluctuation mm -hmm. in my mind. 
Theater shows oh, to go yeah. to. <laughs> or airplanes, right? Yes. So where do we find the balance between illusion <coughs> and sensation? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> so Amanda is an actress, right? Yeah. Yes. So and when I, when Professor Ralph first time said fantasy, blah blah, it's very bad. It's verbal delusion. It's like taking two notions and putting them together and creating a third one that doesn't exist. I was like, yeah, great, man. I did that for 20 years. I loved it, you know. <laughs> people paid money to look at it. You know, I was doing uh, uh, dance choreographing. And you are in shows. And <coughs> I think what he's talking about is not, you know, creative output. Mm-hmm. He's talking about uh, unconscious um, tendency to mess reality up. Mm. Um, um, I'll try to be apolitical here, but so many people, they voted for Trump because they thought he's a businessman. He can get uh, America in shape, right? And then there's some other people that says, you do not need a businessman. In the, in the main office of government, that is the wrong place to put a businessman. Y- you, you need a diplomat. S- but you can see how America is not working the way, this country is not working the way it should. A businessman, he gets business done. So you like, then I am working in like getting business done, country not working well, country not working well, overimposed by getting things done problem over yeah is it true I don't know you know but you can see that would be another such thing that would be another rabbit hair right boom we put them together or my wife 10 a.m. the postman boom or um, my kurmasana is difficult because my hamstrings are tight stretch my hamstrings as much as I can, as strong as I can. <laughs> boom. Yes, like literally, boom, right? So, <laughs> um, like, or practice. I haven't been practicing now. I have, I'm practicing six days a week compared to three days a week. So I see, I see so much progress. Let me start to practice nine times a week. <laughs> yeah? Boom. So, you know, like there's all this, um, is it true? It might be right, you know, but it could also be m- wrong. And what Patanjali points out is we do it all the time. We do that all the time. I, l- I heard about a man that died from eating carrots because he was, it was before the whole juicing thing, he was so infatuated with beta carotene, I think in the 90s or late 80s, like that was a big deal, so healthy for you. So he found some way to extract beta carotene from carrots. I think he juiced them, so he like juiced them and he ate it, please just drank carrot juice, you know, that was it. And then I think he died or something like that from it, you know, because he got like, he OD'd on beta carotene, you know, he's like, 
then you can see the logic. The logic is not difficult to find, it's just uh, logical delusion, like verbal delusion, which is different than being a poet and playing and playing consciously around with creating from playfulness. That's a different, uh, different thing. What? Yes, okay. Yes, that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so my, my teacher, uh, Nagaraja Rao, he is a Sanskrit poet. I think that's five in the world, <laughs> or something <laughs> like that, right? Be- he's a Sanskrit poet, ah. he's a poet, he writes poems, he writes poetry ah. in different uh, shapes and forms in Sanskrit. And f- to do that, you need to, um, like Sanskrit grammar is extensively difficult. Um, but if you know it, you, and if you like, you, you put an H the wrong way, <laughs> the wrong place, it means something else. Do you know what I mean? It means that you are not taking the bus, but the bus is taking you. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, that's not what I meant. So <laughs> therefore, there's lots of interpretations of these that are difficult because it is Sanskritics, it's people that know grammar very well, but they don't know yoga very well. Or it is people that know yoga very well, but they don't know Sanskrit grammar very well. So, <coughs> and this is one of the things that it says here. It says that. <coughs> eh, now I have to padena vacham. So I think vacha, vacha is the word, and I'm not sure if it's malam sharirashyata. I think there's something here where he says that he is. Um, that he is cleaning out grammar for clarity and purity of speech. Mm-hmm. You know, because by doing that, like from the Vedas, from this old Sanskrit text, by clarifying what it actually says, we are, that is one of the, the attributes that they give to Patanjali. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. for 500 years they say, the boss is taking me, or is taking you, it's like, no, I am taking the boss. Do you know what I mean? It's like, which one is, is important here? So that he came in and he went, no, actually it's, I am riding the bus. Yes, that's a good way of saying it also. Intent, like it's conscious, it's not unconscious. That's good. Oh, y- oh, you came in from Eddie? Oh, God. give us some more, Swan. Give us some, <laughs> some love up from Eddie Land there. Yeah, so like what what Huang is, is talking about now is he says it's it's the mind that governs things, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what he says, and then he he spends that like a like a lot of time on trying to figure out what is the mind, how does it work, and what are the obstacles? When does it work well? When does it not work well? What do we do? Is is kind of like 
his key thing what do we do when it doesn't work well which is that's why he wrote the book he told me no like I <laughs> it seems right <laughs> that's why he wrote that book what do we do when things are not moving organically towards enlightenment in one lifetime like Carmen yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which they call meditation here, right? But, but this also like to, that's a technical term. Actually, th like that is an interpretation of piano. So, all right. Enough for today. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Chat and Chai Yoga Talks from Miami Life Center. This was the beginning of a podcast series I'll be putting up here on the Yoga Sutras. Tim is taking us through the first and the second chapter of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. It's from a lecture series he gave back at the beginning of March during one of his workshops. So I hope you enjoy it. I will be putting up the other five over the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for those. So it's actually a rare occasion that Tim will actually sit down and teach us the more philosophical aspects of this practice. Um... I think mainly just because he's too humble to teach us, but I personally love it when he does. I think he's got a lot of insight into these teachings and more specifically in, in a way that teaching us in a way that we could grasp and we could understand because they can be really difficult to understand sometimes and how you can make those connections with the philosophy to real life application. I think he has a really unique knack for that. And so I wanted to let you know about our Ashtanga Practitioners Intensive coming up this summer because Tim will actually be teaching the portion on the Yoga Sutras. He normally doesn't teach it. And I think it's going to be really special to have Tim this year take us a little bit deeper into the Yoga Sutras. So our Ashtanga Practitioners Intensive, we have it once a year. This year it's happening in the summer, June 14th through July 14th. It's a one-month course. And we still have some spots left. So if you're interested in learning more about it or in applying, you can find more information on our website, www.miamilivecenter.com. And under the API tab, you'll find more information. Or you can email me. I manage the program. So you can email me with any questions that you have. It's monica at miamilivecenter.com. So I did the course about two years ago, and I found it really helped me immerse myself into the practice and learn about different aspects of the practice and you get to meet people from all over the world who are also doing this thing this yoga thing so you you also get to be immersed in sangha and community for the month and it's really special everybody comes out of it learning so much and really going through the transformations that they personally need to go through at that moment in their lives so feel free to reach out with any questions i'd be happy to talk to you namaste